This episode is brought to you by Ledger, the largest crypto hardware wallet company in the world. They're trusted by more than 4 million users worldwide. With the recent events throughout the crypto industry, it highlights the importance of self-custody. If you do not control your own private keys, you do not own your Bitcoin. Exchanges have had a history of being hacked. Hardware wallets help protect against losing your funds. Ledger Live is a great app that you can use with your hardware wallet that allows you to be able to secure, buy, swap, lend, and track your crypto portfolio while retaining full control of your funds. Ledger also recently released their Nano S Plus, which gives you the ability to have a bigger screen on your hardware wallet. You can manage over 5,500 digital assets, and it also allows you to be able to participate with DeFi and Web3 and utilizing NFTs in the blockchain. If you go in the show notes, I'll have my affiliate link there where you can be able to learn more about Ledger and also getting started when it comes to protecting your crypto assets. Welcome back everyone to another edition of Insightful Principles. In today's content, I really want to break down an interview I recently saw on CNBC uh, with Stanley Druckenmiller. Uh, Now, Stanley Druckenmiller... Uh, he is a hedge fund manager. Uh, he has his net worth is somewhere around uh, $6 billion. And he's never lost money in his years of managing risk as a fund manager. Uh, in fact, he does have about a 30% annual return with his hedge fund. So whenever he is talking, I'm definitely listening because I think that the guy has a lot of insight and he's very good at forecasting uh, some of the things happening in the economy so throughout the interview he was really providing his projections for 2023 and how he does see a global recession happening and some of the reasons of why he thinks that we are moving into that direction is because he talked about how the U.S. interest expense on his debt is becoming much higher than the tax revenues that the country is bringing in. So we are now getting to a point where the U.S. may not be able to pay its bills on programs such as Social Security or even healthcare spending around Medicare or Medicaid. Uh, even pensions may be at risk because they are becoming underfunded as well, where there simply isn't enough money to service the promises made by these public service retirement programs. And recently in the United Kingdom, there was a massive sell-off with their UK government bonds known as GILTS following policies around underfunded tax cuts. There also was panic among their pension funds in the United Kingdom because most of their long-dated government bonds have lost half of their value in a matter of days. And in result of this, the Bank of England actually had to launch an historic intervention to stabilize the UK economy. And they actually have announced a two-week purchase program for long-dated bonds and delaying their selling of government bonds until the end of October. And what this concept is, what this essentially is of what they're doing 
is yield, yield curve control. And that's simply when they notice that their bond picture is not looking the best and that there is a lot of volatility uh, with their long dated bonds and that people may not be purchasing those bonds and they may be selling them because of what happened here with the pension funds they will tend to have to go in and actually buy bonds themselves to help be able to prop up the bond market so that's essentially what they're doing now and it's just so unfortunate what's happening with the pension plans out there and this should be a warning for those that have pension plans here in america even pension plans here in america have been coming tremendously underfunded due to just mismanagement and over leverage and just a lot of these people that are consulting these different pension programs or the people that are actually uh, managing these pension plans a lot of times they are providing encouragement to be able to not make these uh payouts and service these promises uh to people that have pensions because it improves their bottom line so they'll find creative ways to say okay you know what uh, due to the fact that we've had an issue here uh, with the bond market, unfortunately, instead of getting back 100000 within your pension throughout your retirement, you're now only going to get 50000 So it's just so unfortunate. And I think that a lot of people aren't talking about how the mismanagement of people that are actually managing these investments for people that have pensions and how a lot of times it's a lot of over leverage it's a lot of borrowing against those funds and it's just it's not a proper asset allocation and uh you know i definitely hope that a lot of those people out there are able to uh, get restabilized you know with their pension if they have been affected by this but you know in stanley drunken miller's most recent interview he really talked about how the debt is going to eat up all of healthcare spending by 2027 by 2047 it's going to eat up all of discretionary spending and by 2049 is going to take up all of social security that is outstanding when you think about that and that's not that much farther down the line especially when you think about how the interest expense on a debt is going to take up completely healthcare spending in the next four in, in the upcoming four years and Stanley's main point was that the interest expense on the debt is becoming so high that it's taking away the ability for the government to be able to service the next generation. And he even said in the interview, he's not even sure if it's going to be able to service the current generation. So I did want to break down a few numbers of why the interest debt on why the interest expense on the debt is increasing and how it will increase also as well over time. So if you take uh if you all are listening on a podcast, I'm going to kind of go through these figures here and explain them. Uh but right now I'm looking at the federal budget in the physical year for 2020. So this was 2 years ago and with the revenues in 2020, it was about 3.4 trillion dollars and then the expenses totaled 6.6 trillion dollars. So you can see there that it's a deficit and all the deficit means is is that the government is spending more money than they actually have they're not bringing in enough revenue to be able to service that debt 
and a surplus is when there's more revenue coming in that is able to service the debt. Now, as far as the revenue is concerned, 95% of the U.S. government revenue comes in the form of simple taxes, such as individual and corporate income taxes. You have also capital gains tax that's included in that, as well as payroll taxes. Uh, other taxes to keep in mind is you do have what's called excess taxes, and the other 5% of revenues uh, comes from estate and gift taxes, customs duties, earnings at the Fed, and other fees such as penalties and charges. And just like a business, um, there does have to be enough revenue to cover all the expenses to keep operating, which is the budget. And in business, when you are running a country like the government is doing, the taxes are supposed to cover all of the government expenses. So things like infrastructure, defense spending, entitlements, and then the interest payments on the debt as well. But like they would say, you know, here in America, it's the land of excess. Uh, we, we tend to borrow a lot more than what we actually bring in as a country. And I definitely think if you all are wanting to learn more about the debt spiral uh, that we are experiencing here in America, uh, one of my great friends, James Lavish, uh, he created a great newsletter article. Uh, it's called What's a Debt Spiral? And is the U.S. already in one? Uh, this is his informationist newsletter with his Substack. Um, so I'll put that in the show notes, but I definitely think it's good to read that because he really breaks down the numbers very in depth and it has a lot of great visuals on it as well. This episode has also been brought to you by iTrust Capital. iTrust Capital allows their clients to invest in crypto through an individual retirement account or an IRA. IRAs are tax shelter accounts, which means all of your crypto trading is tax free and can even grow tax free over time. So the platform allows you to be able to invest in crypto with like a Roth, a traditional or a SEP IRA. The process of signing up with iTrust Capital is really easy and the service is awesome. The best part is that it's totally free to open up an account and there's no hidden fees. You don't need to pay any monthly subscription or membership fees either. The platform also offers a growing list of over 25 different cryptocurrencies to invest in with more being added all the time. So it's easy to diversify your portfolio with a new mobile app that allows clients to trade whenever they want iTrust Capital has really earned its place in the market, being voted best crypto investment platform in the US. As a special tip for my viewers and listeners, if you open and fund an account today, you will get a $100 funding bonus added to your account. To learn more, click the link in the description and open up a free account and get started today. Um, I will put this on my YouTube so you will be able to see the visuals. Uh, definitely subscribe to the channel uh, to be able to also see the content uh, video-wise online. Now, when you think about the deficit here with the expenses, the total with the $6.6 trillion is between mandatory and discretionary spending along with the interest on the debt. And... I found a shocking statistic regarding the U.S. deficit, 
And it really talked about how the U the U.S. has been in a deficit since 2001, and that the U.S. has only experienced a surplus five times in the last 50 years, most recently in 2001. I mean, that is amazing when you think about that. So that really means for the last decade, we have constantly just been spending more than what we actually are bringing in. And if all of you know, personal finance one-on-one, -on -one, when you have your own budget, you want to bring in more money than actually what you have in expenses. And you want to be able to keep your debt very low where you're not working beyond your means. Now, I did want to go through the budget deficit history, Congregational uh, Budget Office, and they are projecting here that if we look to 2050, uh, the percentage of the gross domestic product, the debt, the GDP is going to be close to about 180%. Uh, right now, it's closer to about a little just under 115%. Uh, so that is a uh, very eye-opening when you think about that, how it's only showing here that it's going to continue to increase. And even when they broke down the total deficits, um, it does show here that right now um, our deficit is somewhere in the negative right now. Uh, and even as we start to get closer to 2032, um, it's still going to continue to be in the deficit. Uh, so, you know, I definitely think that Another thing to keep in mind is the only other choice here that the government has to think about and even the Federal Reserve is they can continue to let inflation run hot uh, higher than their stated 2% target in the hopes to be able to raise GDP and increase the economic output, which that's simply what GDP is, and monetize the debt. So in other words, they would essentially be using cheaper dollars to pay down off old debts. But from kind of looking at different research, it's only going to be a short-term solution. And I think that almost the, the government and the Fed, they're essentially in a trap because they're going to have to continue to borrow more debt to be able to service the debt problem that they have. And right now we're in a quantitative tightening environment but if i'm looking three years four years down the line i don't see it's why we won't end up being back more in a quantitative easing environment where instead of raising rates they're going to bring rates right back down so i definitely think the fed they're taking the initiative that they need to take in order to destroy demand and be able to increase interest rates to be able to tame inflation but i only think that this is still a problem where they still are going to have to figure out a way to either cut back their spending raise taxes so they can be able to find creative ways to bring in more income to be able to service the amount of outstanding debt that they have now the last thing that i did want to go over is uh the usdebtclock.org um, that is the URL that you can go to to be able to see these figures, but they give you an excellent visualization of real time where the national debt is at right now and what is the tax revenues that America is bringing in. And as I'm looking at this for October 11th of 2022, the U.S. federal tax revenue is at $4.8 trillion dollars. And the U.S. national debt is at $31 trillion. So just looking at that figure alone, once again, 
there's not enough revenue to be able to cover the debts that America has. They're not able to service those debts and it's only increasing over time. And it only looks like that it's going to continue to be a revolving theme moving forward in the future. Now, another thing that I did want to describe here that stands out to me is that the interest on the debt currently right now is $447 billion. And then when I look at the federal budget in the physical year of 2020 the interest expense on the debt was only at 345 billion dollars so you can see that that has increased also the u.s federal debt to gdp ratio right now is at about 125 percent back in 2000 it was only at 56 percent so that just goes to show you uh some of the issues here that really shows the debt crisis that the U.S. is going to potentially be in and why Stanley Druckenmiller said that there's potentially going to be a recession in 2023 and how the interest expense on the debt is going to eat up health care, is going to eat up discretionary spending, is going to eat up Social Security. And it's just so unfortunate for those out there that are relying on their pensions they're relying on their social security if you're a podcast enthusiast like i am you probably thought about making a podcast on your own creating a podcast is one of the best decisions i've made personally but it definitely can feel overwhelming when trying to start one on your own that's where buzzsprout comes in their platform is hands down the easiest and the best way to launch promote and track a professional podcast it's in fact so good that they have helped over a hundred thousand people launch their own podcast buzzsprite will get your show on every major podcast directory such as apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, and more within minutes of your recording you also get a great looking podcast website detailed analytics to see how people are listening to your podcast and tools to promote your episodes as well Plus, Buzzsprout publishes new blog posts, podcast episodes, and YouTube videos every week. So you can learn the ins and outs of podcasting from people that live it every day. To start your own podcast and to get a $20 Amazon gift card, follow the link in the show notes that lets Buzzsprout know that we sent you and help support our show. Buzzsprout the easiest way to start a podcast i definitely would say that you got to take the initiative and take the ownership of your financial situation and you have to put control in your hands and some ways that you can do that is simply look at ways of how you can be a more active investor how can you be able to ask more questions and see how you can be able to change your asset allocation and also just looking at having some hard assets now I'm not recommending anything here on this channel. Anything that I'm providing is not a recommendation to buy or sell any security. Uh, my content is for informational and educational purposes only. I'm simply here to provide you all some insight and, and information on how you can be able to improve your financial situation. And I would definitely say hard assets is a great option to look at because you need insurance. When we talk about the Fiat Ponzi, uh, as my great friend Greg Foss would like to say, you want to make sure that you're hedging against that with the fiat collapse and just the uncertainty of the U.S. dollar. And I know everything looks 
pretty rosy right now you know we have the dollar pretty strong in comparison to other currencies when you look at the british pound when you look at the euro but you got to look at this thing from 30 years from now if this debt continues to increase and as the revenue does not keep up to pace there's going to be a serious sovereign debt crisis that the u.s is going to have on their hands and i definitely think that having those hard assets such as gold silver precious metals looking at natural resources looking at agriculture looking at oil and gas energy things that are needed things that are going to continue to be valuable throughout society looking at bitcoin as a hedge in your portfolio it's just you have to really look about think about your financial situation and seeing how you can add that insurance within your portfolio but i hope all of this was informative for you all uh please rate leave a review share this with your family and friends uh it's greatly appreciated and uh, i thank you all so much for listening to this podcast and take care